0: chapter fourteen of mrs craddock by william somerset Mom. this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tony oliva bertha and miss ley passed a troubled night while edward of course after much exercise and a hearty dinner slept the sleep of the just and of the pure at heart bertha was nursing her wrath she had with difficulty brought herself to kiss her husband before according to his habit he turned his back upon her and began to snore miss ley with her knowledge of the difficulties in store for the couple asked herself if she could do anything but what could she do they were reading the book of life in their separate ways one in italics and the other in the big round letters of the copy-book and how could she help them to find a common character of course the first year of married life is difficult and the weariness of the flesh adds to the inevitable disillusionment every marriage has its moments of utter despair the great danger is in the onlooker who must pay to them too much attention and by stepping in render the difficulty permanent cutting the knot instead of letting time undo it miss ley's cogitations brought her not unnaturally to the course which most suited her temperament she concluded that far and away the best plan was to attempt nothing and let things right themselves as best they could she did not postpone her departure but according to arrangement went on the following day well you see said edward bidding her good-bye i told you that i should make you stay longer than a week you're a wonderful person edward said miss ley dryly i have never doubted it for an instant he was pleased seeing no irony in the compliment miss ley took leave of bertha with a suspicion of awkward tenderness that was quite unusual she hated to show her feelings and found it difficult yet wanted to tell bertha that if she was ever in difficulties she would always find in her an old friend and a true one all she said was if you want to do any shopping in london i can always put you up you know and for the matter of that i don't see why you shouldn't come and stay a month or so with me if edward can spare you it will be a change when miss ley drove with edward to the station bertha felt suddenly an extreme loneliness her aunt had been a barrier between herself and her husband coming opportunely when after the first months of mad passion she was beginning to see herself linked to a man she did not know a third person in the house had been a restraint she looked forward already to the future with something like terror her love for edward was a bitter heartache oh yes she loved him well she loved him passionately but he he was fond of her in his placid calm way it made her furious to think of it the weather was rainy and for two days there was no question of tennis on the third however the sun came out again and the lawn was soon dry edward had driven over to turkenbury but returned towards evening halloa he said you haven't got your tennis things on you'd better hurry up this was the opportunity for which bertha had been looking she was tired of always giving way of humbling herself she wanted an explanation you're very good she said but i don't want to play tennis with you any more why on earth not she burst out furiously because i'm sick and tired of being made a convenience by you i'm too proud to be treated like that oh don't look as if you didn't understand you play with me because you've got no one else to play with isn't that so that is how you are always with me you prefer the company of the veriest fool in the world to mine you seem to do everything you can to show your contempt for me why what have i done now oh of course you forget you never dream that you are making me frightfully unhappy do you think i like to be treated before people as a sort of poor idiot that you can laugh and sneer at edward had never seen his wife so angry and this time he was forced to pay her attention she stood before him at the end of her speech with teeth clenched her cheeks flaming it's about the other day i suppose i saw at the time you were in a passion and didn't care two straws you're too silly he said with a laugh we couldn't play together when we had people here they laugh at us as it is for being so devoted to one another if they only knew how little you cared for me i might have managed a set with you later on if you hadn't sulked and refused to play at all it would never have occurred to you i know you better than that you're absolutely selfish come come bertha he cried good-humouredly that's a thing i've not been accused of before no one has ever called me selfish oh no they think you're charming they think because you're cheerful and even-tempered because you're hail fellow well met with everyone you know that you've got such a nice character if they knew you as well as i do they'd understand it was merely because you're perfectly indifferent to them you treat people as if they were your bosom friends and then five minutes after they've gone you've forgotten all about them and the worst of it is that i'm no more to you than anybody else oh come i don't think you can really find such awful things wrong with me i've never known you to sacrifice your slightest whim to gratify my most earnest desire you can't expect me to do things which i think unreasonable if you loved me you'd not always be asking if things i want are reasonable i didn't think of reason when i married you edward made no answer which naturally added to bertha's irritation she was arranging flowers for the table and broke off the stalks savagely edward after a pause went to the door where are you going she asked since you won't play i'm just going to do a few serves for practice why don't you send for miss glover to come and play with you a new idea suddenly came to him they came at sufficiently rare intervals not to spoil his equanimity but the absurdity of it made him laugh surely you're not jealous of her bertha I began bertha with tremendous scorn and then changing her mind you prefer to play with her than to play with me he wisely ignored part of the charge look at her and look at yourself do you think i could prefer her to you i think you're fool enough the words slipped out of bertha's mouth almost before she knew she had said them and the bitter scornful tone added to their violence they frightened her and turning very white she glanced at her husband oh i didn't mean to say that eddie fearing now that she had really wounded him Bertha was entirely sorry. She would have given anything for the words to be unsaid. Edward was turning over the pages of a book, looking at it listlessly. She went up to him. I haven't offended you, have I, Eddie? I didn't mean to say that. She put her arm in his. He did not answer. Don't be angry with me. She faltered again, and then breaking down, buried her face in his bosom. I didn't mean what I said. I lost command over myself. You don't know how you humiliated me the other day i haven't been able to sleep at night thinking of it kiss me he turned his face away but she would not let him go at last she found his lips say you're not angry with me i'm not angry with you oh i want your love so much eddie she murmured now more than ever i'm going to have a child then in reply to his astonished exclamation i wasn't certain till today oh eddie i'm so glad i think it's what i wanted to make me happy i'm glad too he said but you will be kind to me eddie and not mind if i'm fretful and bad-tempered you know i can't help it and i'm always sorry afterwards he kissed her as passionately as his cold nature allowed and peace returned to bertha's tormented heart bertha had intended as long as possible to make a secret of her news it was a comfort in her distress and a bulwark against her increasing disillusionment she was unable to reconcile herself to the discovery seen as yet dimly that edward's cold temperament could not satisfy her ardent passions love to her was a burning fire a flame that absorbed the rest of life love to him was a convenient and necessary institution of providence a matter about which there was as little need for excitement as about the ordering of a suit of clothes bertha's intense devotion for a while had obscured her husband's coolness and she would not see that his temperament was to blame she accused him of not loving her and asked herself distractedly how to gain his affection her pride was humiliated because her love was so much greater than his for six months she had loved him blindly and now opening her eyes she refused to look upon the naked fact but insisted on seeing only what she wished yet the truth elbowing itself through the crowd of her illusions tormented her she was afraid that edward neither loved her nor had ever loved her and she wavered uncertainly between the old passionate devotion and a new equally passionate hatred she told herself that she could not do things by halves she must love or detest but in either case fiercely and now the child made up for everything now it did not matter if edward loved or not it no longer pained her to realize how foolish had been her hopes how quickly her ideal had been shattered she felt that the infantine hands of her son were already breaking one by one the links that bound her to her husband when she divined her pregnancy she gave a cry not only of joy and pride but also of exultation in her approaching freedom but when the suspicion was changed into a certainty her feelings veered round for her emotions were always unstable as the light winds of april an extreme weakness made her long for the support and sympathy of her husband she could not help telling him in the hateful dispute of that very day she had forced herself to say bitter things but all the time she wished him to take her in his arms saying he loved her it needed so little to rekindle her dying affection she wanted his help and she could not live without his love the weeks went on and bertha was touched to see a change in edward's behaviour more noticeable after his past indifference he looked upon her now as an invalid and as such entitled to some consideration he was really very kind-hearted and during this time did everything for his wife that did not involve a sacrifice of his own convenience when the doctor suggested some dainty to tempt her appetite edward was delighted to ride over to turkenberry and fetch it and in her presence he trod more softly and spoke in a gentler voice after a while he used to insist on carrying bertha up and down stairs and though dr ramsay assured them it was a quite unnecessary proceeding bertha would not allow edward to give it up it amused her to feel a little child in his strong arms and she loved to nestle against his breast then with winter when it was too cold to drive out bertha would lie for long hours on a sofa by the window looking at the line of elm trees now leafless again and melancholy watching the heavy clouds that drove over from the sea her heart was full of peace one day of the new year she was sitting as usual at her window when edward came prancing up the drive on horseback he stopped in front of her and waved his whip what do you think of my new horse he cried at that moment the animal began to cavort and backed into a flower-bed quiet old fellow cried edward now then don't make a fuss quiet the horse stood on its hind legs and laid its ears back viciously presently edward dismounted and led him towards bertha isn't he a stunner just look at him he passed his hand down the beast's forelegs and stroked its sleek coat i only gave thirty-five quid for it he remarked i must just take him round to the stable and then i'll come in in a few minutes edward joined his wife the riding costume suited him well and in his top boots he had more than ever the appearance of the fox-hunting country squire which had always been his ideal he was in high spirits over the new purchase it's the beast that threw arthur branderton when we were out last week arthur's limping about now with a sprained ankle and a broken finger he says the horse is the greatest devil he's ever ridden he's frightened to use him again edward laughed scornfully but you haven't bought him asked bertha with alarm of course i have said edward i couldn't miss a chance like that why he's a perfect beauty only he's got a temper like we all have but is he dangerous a bit that's why i got him cheap arthur gave a hundred guineas for him and he told me i could have him for seventy no i said i'll give you thirty-five and take the risk of breaking my neck well he just had to accept my offer the horse has got a bad name in the county and he wouldn't get anyone to buy it in a hurry a man has got to get up early if he wants to do me over a g by this time bertha was frightened out of her wits but eddie you're not going to ride it supposing something should happen oh i wish you hadn't bought him he's all right said craddock if anyone can ride him i can and by jove i'm going to risk it why if i bought him and then didn't use him i'd never hear the last of it to please me Eddie, don't what does it matter what people say i'm so frightened and now of all times you might do something to please me it's not often i ask you to do me a favor well when you ask for something reasonable i always try my best to do it but really after i've paid thirty-five pounds for a horse i can't cut him up for cat's meat that means you'll always do anything for me so long as it doesn't interfere with your own likes and dislikes ah well we're all like that aren't we come come don't be nasty about it bertha he pinched her cheek good-naturedly women we all know would like the moon if they could get it and the fact that they can't doesn't prevent them from persistently asking for it edward sat down beside his wife holding her hand now tell us what you've been up to to-day has anyone been bertha sighed deeply she had absolutely no influence over her husband no prayers no tears would stop him from doing a thing he had set his mind on however much she argued he always managed to make her seem in the wrong and then went his way rejoicing but she had her child now thank god for that she murmured chapter fourteen